repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, as I was standing over there praying, really even through the worship service, uh, just praying that God would move and touch our hearts today, that God would speak to us. That's really what we want, isn't it? You know, where God comes in and he begins to touch and change and, and tweak areas in our life, and he's so good in his mercy how he does that. And this series is really important and really powerful. Already we're seeing God begin to touch lives each week, and I expect the same thing today. But today we're going to be talking about yokes bondage and, and the freedom that Jesus brings. And I'll tell you why it's so important, because many of us have experienced, and some folks today in this room right now, you are in bondage to sin. There, there's some areas in your life where Satan may have a hold of you, and, and God is not okay with that. God does not want us to be in bondage to anything or anyone other than him. And, and Jesus talked about that. Jesus said, you know, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. And he said, take my yoke upon you. But his yoke is different than the yoke of sin. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. But sin's not. Sin is all about destruction and death. And, and we're going to talk today about these promises. Remember, we're, we're using the scripture in Exodus where, where there are four promises that God gives us. And not just the, the Hebrew children back in the day. These promises are still active and alive for us today, but God wants us to know what they are, because here's the deal, we can go into bondage or slavery for lack of understanding, and God wants us to know as Christians, there are promises that he's given us, but we have to embrace them, we have to own them, and we have to use them, and so today we're going to be talking about that, so this is week three, we're going to have a couple more weeks, but I'm loving this, and what I'm loving about it is that people are getting free, people are understanding what this is all about. You know, for many years growing up, I thought it was the hokey pokey. I thought the hokey pokey was what it was all about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, hallelujah, the hokey pokey. What? You do the hokey pokey and you turn yourself around and that's what it's all about? No, it's not the hokey pokey. It's about freedom and it's about who God has called us to be. And so these promises are all about that. Let's look at our text, look up on the screen. Exodus chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. This is God talking. He says, Therefore say to the Israelites, he's talking to Moses, Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke. Everybody circle yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arms and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Notice two times here, God talks about yoke. And here's what I want you to do. It's not in your notes, but write down yoke and put yoke equals slavery. Yoke equals slavery. And slavery, and you can put a slash right there, is sin. The slavery that we end up in is slavery to sin. And we're going to talk about that in detail today and what God's done about it. So there are four cups that the Hebrews recognized during the Passover. These four cups are symbolic. And these cups are the cup of sanctification, which is salvation. 
the cup of deliverance, which is freedom, the cup of redemption, which is restoration, which means basically that word restoration is being the people that God called us to be or intended us always to be. And then there's the cup of praise, which is fulfillment. But when you're under a yoke, you're trapped by sin. That's what that means. Exodus 6, 6 through 7 says, I will bring you out from under the yoke. So here's the deal. I just want to paint a picture for you. What happens when sin takes up residence in your life? When sin takes up residence in your life. The New Testament and the Old Testament are both very, very clear about this. What The New Testament, when the Bible says, don't allow any root of bitterness to grow up in you, don't give the devil place. And that word place is the Greek word topos, and the Greek word topos is where we get our English word topography, geography. Don't allow sin anywhere in your life, because if you allow sin in, what you're doing is you're giving the devil geography inside of you. He owns that. But here's the problem with sin and with the devil in your life. He doesn't stay in that one spot. Here's what I want you to think of when we talk about topos or sin in our life or being under a yoke. Imagine it being cancer. A malignant cancer typically will not stay in one place. It tries to spread and destroy, and that's what sin does. And so when we look at our lives, what we can get into a lot of times, we may have sin in our lives, but we'll compare ourselves to other people. Well, yeah, I have this sin, but boy, look at what they're doing. And we try to make ourselves much worse. But can I tell you something? Cancer is cancer. Sin is sin. And all that sin wants to do is destroy. That's what it does. And so anytime we allow sins, whether they're out in the wide open in front of everybody, it's obvious, or there's hidden sin in our life, I can promise you it's eating you up on the inside. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, Bobby. God's not okay with that. And God has made provision for how to take care of it. And so today, you're gonna, I'm going to ask you throughout this to be real honest with yourself. But here's the deal. As you guys know, I'm never going to get up here and talk about something without telling you what God's solution is for it. I'm not going to do that. Because there's an answer to our sin problem. And his name is Jesus, okay? So what happens when you have sin? Look in your blanks. The first one. Now, well, let me back up. When the Hebrew children, we talked about the other day when the Hebrew children, most of us have seen the Ten Commandments. They were taken, they were, they were captives, they'd gone there free, but now they ended up over hundreds of years. Now they were captives in Egypt, and what happened is, is they were using them as slaves. They wouldn't let them leave. They were using the Hebrews as slaves, and they were making them build the pyramids and all the other stuff, all the construction they were doing. And so they were making them build these big buildings primarily with bricks. And so they would require them to take and make those shoot. They would quarry stone, but they would also have them make bricks, okay? And so that was a sim- symbol of their slavery. And so what happens when sin is in our lives, that we are forced as slaves to make bricks. And here's the blank underneath that. Slin- sin enslaves us. Sin enslaves us. You know, the Bible tells us, Old Testament, that sin for a season is pleasurable. Up front, it might feel good for a little while. But the Bible tells us also that the end result of sin is always what? Death. The end result of sin is always death. No matter how you sugarcoat it, it's always death. 
You know, I'm trying to learn how to fish, like fish fish, not people fish, fish fish. And so I went out this week with Shane, and, and we went out, and we spent a couple hours out on the lake, and I got this bait because on YouTube it said it was the best bait in the world. And how many of y'all know the Internet never lies? So I went on there, and I learned how to do this. And we've been fishing a little bit over the last couple weeks, and we haven't even, it's hard to fish right now. And we got out there, and I threw that line out, and I start doing that jerk bait. <laughs> Watch. I'll show you right, right here. And that thing is jigging and a jagging, and all of a sudden my rod goes, and it bends over like this. And I looked at Shane, and he looked at me, and he went, oh. And I start reeling. Oh, I'm excited. My stomach literally dropped, which is a lot of dropping. I mean, it dropped. And I'm holding on, and I get up, and that fish, no kidding, y'all, turned at the side of the boat, and it was like that long. <laughs> but it was, it was, seriously, it was long. It was a big fish. It was a bass, what I was looking for. And it looked up at me, and it went, For like two minutes, he and I just sat there like this. And then he looked at me, and he said, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Now, can I just give you all a hint? Anytime somebody says to you, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, what's about to happen? Yeah, so just remember that, okay? And he goes, that was probably the biggest fish in this lake. That was helpful. <laughs> But let me tell you something, that bait zigging through the water was irresistible to that fish, irresistible. It looked good. It was everything that fish wanted. But there are three hooks on that thing. And as soon as that fish got a hold of that, what happened? I started taking him where he didn't want to go. And that's exactly what sin does in your life. It looks good, but there's hooks. And those hooks are going to take you to a place that ultimately is going to destroy your life. And that's how sin works. If you could see the end result of sin up front, you probably wouldn't do it. It's just one joint. It's just one picture. It's just one whatever. But the end result, if you play those things out, it's just one life. It's just one whatever. And it's that bait that seems so innocent and looks so good. But the end result is you become a slave. None of us want to be that, do we? None of us want to be that. Listen to this, y'all. John 8, chapter 34, verse 35 says this. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and, and is, in fact, a slave. A slave is transient who can't come and go at will. See, the end result of slavery is you don't get to choose. At, at initially, you're choosing what's going on, but if you stay in a life of slavery, you get, you get told what you're going to do. And that's where sin leads you. Man, that sounds horrible, doesn't it? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Exactly what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 27 verses 50 through 53 says this. And when Jesus, hanging on the cross, had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the 
curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks split, and the tombs broke open, and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life, and they came out of the tombs, and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. What I want you to focus on is here. When Jesus was on the cross, and we don't talk about this a whole lot, we just pass through it, but let me tell you what happened. In the temple, in the temple where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was an area that was in the very middle called the Holy of Holies. And this is where the presence of God was. How many of you have seen Raiders of the Lost Ark? Thank you, I'm giving you context. Okay, the Ark of the Covenant was in there. But here's the deal. You couldn't just show up and go in there to go see the Ark of the Covenant because if you did, the presence of God was there, it could kill you. And so once a year, one time a year, the high priest, the head honcho of of all the Israelites from a religious perspective would go in there and he would offer up offerings for the sin of the people. But let me tell you what would happen. There was this veil, and this veil was four inches thick. I read one account that said it was 60 foot tall. Four inches thick covered the entrance to the Holy of Holies. Big, huge veil. The priest would go in there to offer up the sacrifice, and they tied a rope with a bell on it. As long as they could hear the bell, they knew everything was good. If the bell stopped ringing, what happened? Drag him out. He died. This was a big deal. But here's what it represented. The Holy, Holy, the Holy of Holies is where the presence of God was. The veil is what separated us, sinful man, from God's presence. It was there for our protection, but it also kept us apart from God. When Jesus hung on that cross and he said, it is finished, and he died, at that moment, the scripture tells us that that veil was torn in half, four inches thick, 60 foot wide, torn in half right down the middle and fell apart. And it represents that there's no more any separation between us and God. Jesus did that for you. So while sin separates us, there's a payment that allows us to be free. And that's what Jesus has done. Isn't that incredible? That's how much God loves you guys. He visually represented. Can you imagine being in the temple? You're in there working and all of a sudden that thing begins to rip from the top to the bottom. The first guy in there probably said, it wasn't me, it wasn't me, I didn't do it. Think about the representation of what that is for us. That's why we can just pray in God's presence. That's why this morning some of you are experiencing God's presence because he is no longer separated from us by our sin. When we receive Jesus, it covers that. That's incredible. Promises. God's promises for us. Let me tell you what sin also does, and this is horrible, but you need to understand that sin is not fun. The murder of babies. It's on your notes. The murder of babies. Let me tell you what that means. Look under your second note there. It says you feel empty. You feel empty. You know, if you look in the Bible and you read, especially in the Old Testament, uh, there were different tribes and what they would do if you study them out, not all of them, but many of them would sacrifice children to whatever God they served. They would sacrifice children. 
And, and sometimes it may be difficult when you're reading and you see God in the Old Testament sending the Hebrews into the land and God would say, I need you to wipe this tribe out. And the reason he needed it wiped out as many times is because they were sacrificing kids. That's the way they thought. And God said, that's got to be gone. But see, it wasn't just those tribes. If you remember your story, when you go back into the, again into the Exodus, when Moses is born, the Pharaoh at that time took and killed all the male children around a certain age. Killed them. He said, they're getting to be too many. And he killed them. Old Testament. New Testament, Jesus is born. What happens? Herod hears that Jesus is born, sends his soldiers into the town where Jesus was supposed to be, and what happened? Killed all the male children of a certain age. Why? Why would this happen? Why does that matter? And can I just tell you today, and I want you to write this down, what that means is when, when babies are killed, unfulfilled potential. In other words, what could have been? What could have been? Can I just tell you this? When sin comes into your life, it kills your potential. Let me say that again. When sin comes into your life, it kills your potential. What could have been? That is incredibly powerful. And of everything I'm going to share with you today, this was the most impactful to me. What could have been if we hadn't allowed sin to come in? Why is that so? The devil wants to destroy your potential and destroy your future. In other words, what de the devil wants to do with sin is steal your tomorrow. He wants to take away what you could have become. The next thing that we see with sin in our lives, and this is what the Pharaoh required of the Egyptians, is he required them to collect their own straw. And, and I began to study this out. What would happen is uh, uh, Moses went, to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh got mad, and so he turned around and he said, go back to all the slaves, go back to all the Hebrews, and tell them they need to make straw, but now they have to take the mud out of it, or the, excuse me, the straw out of it. They're going to use mud, but they're going to have to make bricks, but, and they're going to actually have to make the same amount of bricks, but now we're going to take the straw out and make them go collect their own straw. Make them go collect their own. And, and I thought, well, why is this important? So here, here's the significance of what the straw would do when they were making these bricks. Is what would happen is this, this mud would be real wet, and they used the mud from the Nile River, and it would be real wet. It was real fine. And so they would take this straw and mix it in there. What would happen is it would create separation, and it would allow the mud, the bricks, to dry quicker. And then they would put them in the fire and do them. And in the same way, one of the historians said, it's basically like right now, guys, when we pour concrete, it's like putting rebar in the concrete. It's the same concept with the straw. But see, whereas before, it was hard enough that they were slaves. I mean, being a slave was bad enough. But now he said, listen, you tell them they're going to have to do the same thing, produce the same amount of bricks, but we're going to make it harder for them. And we're not going to bring the straw to them. They're going to have to go collect it. We're going to add pain on top of pain. Let me say that again. Sin adds pain on top of pain. 
See, like I told you, when sin is in your life and it lives there, it takes topography there. It doesn't stay in that one spot. It begins to move into other areas of your life. And what happens, now it's no longer just impacting you, it's impacting everybody around you. Sin doesn't, listen to me, this isn't in my notes, so listen. Sin doesn't just affect you, it affects everybody you come in contact with. Just like we talk about, and I love to talk about our candlelight and that Jesus said you're the light of the world, just as our light shines for those around us, sin impacts people in a very similar way. I'll give you an example. Have you ever been in a meeting or at a party or with some friends or in a class, wherever you are, and all of a sudden somebody shows up and they're, they've got bad stuff going on in their life, and what happens to the complexion of what's going on? Impacts it. It's the same way the light comes in and can push it the other way, but that's what sin does. It doesn't stay put. It doesn't stay put. Can I just tell you right now, sin makes you feel exhausted. That's your note. Sin makes you feel exhausted. You know, I know right now there are people in this room that are struggling with sin, there's an area in your life, maybe there's sin there for whatever reason. And notice I'm not pointing out particular sins because it doesn't matter. Sin is just sin. But when we don't deal with it, when we don't allow God to come in and remove that from our life, what happens over time is you will run from it. You will hide from it. You'll try to bury it, and it'll stick its head up, and then you got to dig a hole and bury it again. Or you're constantly trying to cover it up, and you know what? The end result of all it is, not only is death, but you're tired the entire time of carrying it and running with it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm going to mention one in particular, one sin in particular, unforgiveness. You wake up and it's on your mind, and all day long you're dealing with it. That's what sin does. It's a weight. Jesus talked about sin as a weight. This is no fun. But I want you to see that there are promises for us. How many of you are ready for some hope this morning? You ready for some? Let's turn the corner, okay? So the cup of sanctification means that we are set apart. So here's the, here's the picture. On one side over here, we have sin, the devil and sin and all sin and destruction and, and all that it, the nastiness that it brings. But then what happened, guys, on Christmas? The Bible tells us that the world was dark, and all of a sudden a light showed up. I've got chili bumps right now. The light showed up. And the Bible tells us that the light could not overcome the darkness. And in a manger, the light of the world began to shine. And Jesus comes in, and here's what he says. Now you get the picture. I want you to see the picture. Jesus said, the thief... Satan only comes to kill, steal, and destroy. What was represented by Egypt and all that, what sin does in your life, that's what sin does. But then he said this, but I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. And I looked up that Greek word definition of the full and what that means, and it's pretty incredible. It's the Greek word parason, and here's what it means, to exceed the ordinary. To exceed the ordinary, to abound, 
And here's a word you're familiar with because I use it almost every week, overflow. (laughs) Jesus said, I've come that you would exceed the ordinary, that you would abound, that you would overflow. That's what he does. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Another word is abundantly. Jesus is the opposite of being restrained, being a prisoner over here. Jesus is on the other side saying, look, I've come to set you free. And it's not that I've just come to set you free, River. I've not just come to set you free. I've come to let you exceed your potential. That's awesome. That's incredible. It's not, I mean, it's enough to be set free. But Jesus sets us free, cleans us up, equips us, and now we get to uh, I'm so excited I can't keep up with myself. I'm serious. This is good. He says, I've come to clean you up. I'm going to slow down. I've come to clean you up, equip you, and allow you to exceed anything that you could have ever imagined in your life. The gospel. The good news. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. None of those things matter anymore because God's created within each person in this room, whether you believe it or not, it doesn't matter. God has created inside your holy DNA. He's got a plan for your life. And it's, in the Old Testament, he says it's a plan that's good and not evil. It's going to give you a future and a hope. And Jesus is saying, I'm here to fulfill that in your life if you'll let me. If you'll let me. Guys, this is good news. This is why we're here. That we can experience this amazing life that God has for us. And it's what Jesus came and died to do. Now listen to me. Don't get me wrong. If you're a follower of Christ, you're going to heaven. But can I tell you something? Jesus did this for here. He said, I can't. Look, in in heaven, you're not going to need to exceed your potential. We're there. It's all good. Fish will not come up at me anymore and go to me. Right? Bless you, Crystal. It's all right. Go ahead. Here's the thing. Heaven, you don't have to exceed any potential. You've already made it. This is for now. And and I don't want us to have that mindset that was in many people's lives I knew growing up. Well, I'm just a lowly worm. Bless the Lord. I'm just going to keep my head down until I die and go to see Jesus. Right? I'm just a sinner. Sinner, sinner, sinner. I hope I make it. That's what the devil wants. He can't keep you from being saved. He can't, but he can convince you that you can't be any more than you think you are. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I've come that you would exceed all the expectations. You would exceed your potential. All the babies that were being killed, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. I'm saving you, and now you're going to become all that I've created you to be if you let me work with you. (laughs) Y'all, come on. This is amazing. This is incredible. And this is who God's called us to be. I'm not making this up. I'm not making this up. Listen, this is your pastor's heart right now. What if we all surrendered our hearts to God and said, Lord, here I am. Set me free. Lord, please help me achieve my full potential to exceed the ordinary according to your promises. 
What if we all did that? What would happen in your family? What would happen? What would happen at school and at work and in business? What would happen when God's people begin to realize who they are and begin to take their place? Let me just tell you, the gates of hell cannot stand against that. Nothing created can stand against that when we walk in the fullness of who God has called us to be. Romans 8 verse 11 says this. This is good stuff right here. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life. Remember, sin was over here before taking topography. But now if you allow the Holy Spirit to come in, if you allow God to come in, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. What? You mean the power and the presence of God that lived in Jesus can live in me? Yep, and Jesus said so. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be alive just like Jesus is. Wow. That's what I want. I want to be that kind of person, to walk in that kind of freedom and that kind of fulfillment. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4 says this, Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life, and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven, and that future starts now. Man, that's good, isn't it, Don? That is good, Wayne. That's right now. I want us to be the kind of people, Barbie, that embrace it now. That we say, hey, God, here I am. Here's the thing, y'all. You don't have to be real smart to do this. Isn't that awesome? Matter of fact, if some of y'all say, well, I'm pretty simple, and you may say that about yourself. I know you say it about me. That's good. Because Jesus said, when we have a heart of a child, that's when stuff can happen. And if you can just go to God and say, look, Lord, you know me. You know how big a knucklehead I am. But here's the thing. I want you to come into my life and clean me up. And you know what else, God? I want you to, to partner, partner with me and help me. Help me become everybody you Help me become the, the person you call me to be. And if you'll just do that simply, he'll start doing the work. And he will take you places and have you doing things you could have never imagined. Now, some of you might say, Pastor, I'm too old. I'm too old. Well, that's another lie. Can I just tell you right now, it doesn't matter how young you are we got some little bitties in here, and it doesn't matter how old you are. God can take you right where you are and do something amazing with you. You know, the Bible tells us that until the day Moses died, his, he, his strength didn't wane and his eyesight didn't dim. God used him. There's no retirement in the kingdom of heaven, guys. You've heard me say that. God just wants us to be available, and it's his job to place in us what we need to accomplish what he wants us to do. Man. So I want to encourage you right now, if you're one of those folks that's getting older, that's cool. Just let God work with you where you are and watch him do amazing things. Amen. Can I get an amen right there? Thank y'all. Boy, howdy. I feel like I'm preaching better than y'all are amen, and I'm getting excited. Man, alive. So here's, here's what you need to do. Three things. I'm going to keep it simple. Right? Here's the first thing you need to do. You need to make the move. You need to make a decision. And you need to repent. Repent. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 through 18 says this. Therefore, 
Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. That Greek word repent, here's what it means. It means to change your mind and then turn, change your direction. Change your mind. Starts up here. The battle's right here. Change your mind and then change your directions. Turn the other way. If this is sin, go this way. Change your mind. Here's the next thing you need to do. Let it go and surrender. Most of y'all have heard my testimony. But the first scripture that the Lord placed in my heart that he gave me for my life is, is you can read it if you want to. It's Job chapter 22, verses 21 through 30. That's my life scripture. Job 22, the book of Job 22, verses 21 through 30. The first word is yield. Yield. You know, right now, you guys are going to go home, and you're probably going to hit one, maybe even two lights. And there's three colors on those lights. What's red mean? What's green mean? What's yellow mean? Floor it. Come on, now. Right? <laughs> you know who you are. Yield, yellow means slow down, surrender. Those yield signs on the road, right of way to somebody else. And God is saying, look, he's saying, Bobby, just surrender. You need to repent. You need to turn away. That's the first thing. You've got to make up your mind you're going to go this way. But then you've got to surrender to him. And guys, I can't accentuate this enough. There's a reason God told your pastor, yield. Because my nature is not. I've got two speeds, wide open and sleep. Right? And so the Lord knew when he created me that I needed to know how to surrender and allow him, give him the right of way. And I know that's for you. Let God have his way, Preston. Let him have his way. And then watch what happens. Mark 8, 34 through 35 says this, anyone, this is Jesus talking, anyone who intends to come to me has to let me lead. <laughs> You're not in the driver's seat. I am. This is Jesus talking. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way to saving your soul. If God is your co-pilot, you're in the wrong seat. And I've spent my entire life trying to make sure I let him be in control. Because I want to tell you something. I have an incredible ability to mess things up very quickly on my own. Right? Anybody else? But if I'll surrender to him. He can make beautiful things out of my life and your life. Commit your life. And this word is relationship. Commit your life. Romans 6 verse 19 says this. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever increasing wickedness. Remember over here? He said just like you used to be over here. 
Now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. And this happens in relationship. And that's relationship with God and relationship with people. You know, I think it's amazing that Jesus was talking about, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. See, they understood yokes. And Jesus is saying here, look, you're going to be a slave to one of two things. You're either going to be a slave to sin and destruction, or you're going to be a slave to life. But he said, come on over here, because the yoke is easy, and the burden is light. Some of you... And I'm pleading with you right now with all of my heart. This isn't for me. This is for you. Some of you that have been carrying sin in your life, that there are these areas in your life that you've, you, you've either for fear, you've not wanted God to see this, or you think you're hiding it, or whatever it is, you've buried this sin in your life and you've never let God deal with it. Today is your day. You don't have to do it anymore. Jesus tore the veil so you could be free. He hung on that cross. He took your punishment. You don't have to carry that anymore. But it starts up here when you decide, all right, I'm going to forgive. All right, I'm not going to let this sin anymore. Whatever that sin is, you can fill in the blank. It doesn't matter if it's big or little. Sin is sin. That addiction, whatever it is, he's paid the price. And can I tell you something right now? For those of you that feel like, well, I'm scared that God's going to judge me, and that's a, normal, that's a normal fear. But Jesus has come not to condemn the world, but to save us. Now, if you hold on to that your whole life and you go before him, there will be judgment for that. Let me be clear. But right now, we live in grace. And as long as you're breathing, there's hope. And it's time to get it right. It's time to get it right. It's I mean, how many times have you, oh, I don't know how to plead with you anymore, God help me. <laughs> you've wondered why you can't get ahead, you've wondered why you can't achieve, you've wondered, God, what, what's holding me back, what's this anchor, why can't I ever, why can't I ever, this is the why can't you ever. This is it. And he doesn't want you to be a slave. He doesn't want you to be a slave. He wants you to be free. You know what it tells us in the New Testament? It was for freedom that Christ came to set you free, to live in that. So here's what I want you to do. Let's all, everybody bow your head. Nobody looking around. Holy Spirit, I just ask you to touch people's hearts. Everybody, check Lord, just, just be with us right now, Holy Spirit. Just look inside our hearts. Help us to be honest. You know who you are. God brought you here today so you could hear this because he loves you that much. Jesus said, I'm going to leave the 99 sheep and I'm going to go after the one. He also said the truth is going to set you free. And this is truth. Oh, God. Holy Spirit, I'm just asking you right now to begin to touch people's hearts. Lord, that you would 
just cast the devil out of his, their mind and, and the torment and the destruction. And that right now they would have a moment of clarity. Some of you have said, I hope, I wish I could be free. This is your moment. Freedom. Well, he died so you could be free. If you're here today, I'm going to do one altar call. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, but you know you need him, you understand you need Jesus. I'm going to give you a chance in a moment to come forward. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, but there's been darkness, there's been sin in your life, and it's been holding you prisoner for too long, this is your day. There is no judgment. There is no condemnation. There's only freedom. So if you're here today and you need to receive Jesus or you're here today, and you need to allow God to come in and set you free, to, to relieve you of some yokes in your life. I want you to just come down to the front. Just get up and come on down. No judgment here. As people come forward, I want leaders to come down. I want everybody behind somebody. Please. Amen. Amen. It's a holy moment, you guys. why we're here, guys. It's why we're here. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. No condemnation in this place. If that's you, just come on. down here, I just want you, if you're, if you're out there in your seat, I want you just to pray for the folks that God's bringing down, that God would just begin to touch their hearts and set them free. so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you gave your life for me. You have been so, so kind to me. And oh, the overwhelming love of God oh it shakes it to me down fights till my crown leaves the ninety nine but I cannot earn it and I don't deserve it still you give yourself away oh the 
Lord just gave me an image. How many of you have had heart surgery before? Let me see your hands. I've talked to people before that have had heart surgery and they'll come out of it. And if you ask them, usually they'll go, I didn't know how bad I felt. I didn't know how much energy I didn't have until that was fixed. And that's what sin does, it constricts. But when freedom comes and you can walk in the fullness of who God's called you to be and the son has set you free, he said, you're free indeed. In other words, you're really free. We've got some brothers and sisters up here that are getting really free. And that's why he came. You know, I'm talking to you about these promises. Guys, I want you to know these promises are for you. You feel the peace of God in this place? That's because that veil is torn and now there's no more separation and God is giving you freedom. How many of you are, are, are glad to be free? Amen. Can I tell you something? When you leave this place, Donna, and you go out there, Jesus has given us the keys to the kingdom. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? All these people that are slaves, that are handcuffed and shackled, Jesus said, now, he said, Rod, now I'm giving you the key. Now it's your job to go set them free. Share this good news with them and set them free. Isn't it, doesn't it just seem too good to be true? But it's true. It seems too amazing, but it is amazing. It's awesome. It's true. This is who we are. This is who we're called to be. Amen. Let's all stand this morning. We've got people still praying, and I want to disturb them. So glad you guys are here. Grab your neighbor's hand this morning. I just want to pray over you as a church family. Father, I just thank you for everyone represented here today, every individual, every family, every generation that's represented here today. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint their life, that as we leave this place, we would be empowered to show other people and point them to the cross, that your Holy Spirit in us would give us the strength and wisdom we need to set our friends free, to set our neighbors free, to set our community free that hope would rise up in this place and we would be changed forever. That we would be changed forever. We thank you for that, Jesus. And everybody said, amen. One more thing and I'm gonna let you go. Guys, April 13th and 14th, we're gonna be going down to Springfield to a men's conference. It's the first time we've done one of these since I've been here. We have 26 slots. We've already got about 18 of those people, or 16 of those guys have signed up. We want you to come. Fathers and sons are welcome. So I want you to get, Donald's going to be out in the foyer. If you're interested, just go ahead and sign up, and we'll get your money from, from you when it's appropriate. But we want you to get signed up for that. I believe God's going to change some forevers, and so I want you to go to that, okay? And uh, for those of you that have been coming to church for a while, we're going to start another starting point class in March. We just finished one in January. Got some more people joining the church. I'm so excited. If you're interested in finding out more about the church and the history and what we believe and where we're going, I want to encourage you to come to that. We're going to be starting uh, the first Sunday in March, okay?
Well, God bless you guys as you go. High five three people as you get out of here, and y'all have a great week. We'll see you.